Welcome back to That's Orgasmic. You are joined by your host, Emily Duncan. And today we are talking all about religion and sex, particularly Catholicism. We're talking about vulva owners and masturbation, how to approach it, spontaneous versus responsive arousal, and also talking about radical honesty, which is a concept I've never spoken about on here before. And I absolutely love it and I think it is a very interesting and an important topic to discuss and practice. Now I will just put a slight trigger warning on this episode. We do touch on sexual abuse. We don't go into too much detail about it, more just acknowledging how that can impact pleasure and different aspects of our life. So please, I hope you enjoyed today's episode, Shaggers. Welcome back to the show, Shaggers. Today I'm joined with Jocelyn Silva, a sexual empowerment coach. So welcome to the show, Jocelyn. Hello, thank you for having me. That's no worries. I'm so excited about today. (laughs) So can you please tell the Shaggers a bit about yourself and the work that you do as a sexual empowerment coach? Yes, I would love to. So um, hi, like you said, my name is Jocelyn Silva. My pronouns are she, her. And um, I have been a sex coach for about a year and a half now. I've been a sex educator for 10 years. And essentially, in a nutshell, I help women and femmes regain their sexual desire, their sexual identity, their sexual expression um, in order to be able to have a fruitful life and to feel good about their sexualities. Um, I grew up in a super conservative household, had a lot of shame around my sexuality growing up. And once I started discovering my own um, identity as a sexual being, the doors just opened up in my life. And so I have made it my life's work to give that to others, um, to give them the time and the space to be able to experience that because it truly is a beautiful uh, feeling for you to be able to embrace your sexuality. Yeah, that's amazing. It definitely is. And like there's so many people out there who have shame attached to sex who probably don't even know they've got shame attached to sex until they see someone living life a different way. So it's such important work. I wanted to touch on you being brought up in a conservative like household. Um, I've seen um, religion like played a role in that. How did that impact your sexual journey? Oh, impacted all of it. (laughs) Um, It impacted it so much. I mean, my very first memories of like being a sexual person, I mean, go back to like being three years old. And I think just the biggest thing that impacted me at that age was the fact that there was no one talking to me about sex. Um, it's important to talk to children about sex as early as three years old, even if it's just like body parts, right? So that they have an understanding of like the fact that they are sexual beings, even as children. And I never got that conversation. When I turned into a teenager, the only conversation I had related to sex was about my period. And that if I have sex before marriage, I am going to go to hell, right? Yeah. So I went to Catholic school, got super involved in my parish and hearing the message, having sex before marriage equals hell was the most terrifying thing for me that I became deathly afraid of going to hell. And I actually became really obsessed about it. 
Um, it got to the point where I started eating lunch in the chapel at school because I was so afraid of hanging out with my friends because they were young teenagers, like smoking weed and having sex. And I was like, if I hang out with them, I'm going to go to hell. So I can't hang wow. out with them. I had a boyfriend when I was 16 and, um, you know, we did what 16 year olds do, right? Like explore yeah. each other's bodies. <laughs> yeah. And it got to the point where I was going to confession on a weekly basis because I was so scared that my sexual behaviors were going to lead me to hell. And I used to always say, if I die today, I want to make sure I go to heaven. It actually took a priest coming up to me to tell me, Jocelyn, you don't have to come every week. And I looked at him and I said, you don't understand like with the things that I'm doing, I'm going to go to hell. Like I can't not come. And he was like, you'll be fine if you come once a year. Mm -hmm. So a priest even had to tell me yeah. like, to chill out, you know, oh my but if gosh. you can imagine, yeah. But if you can imagine the amount of shame and guilt and fear and terror that I had around just being a sexual person, it was very challenging and really difficult, a really difficult period in my life. Yeah. I couldn't even imagine. I feel like being a sexual teenager anyway can already be a really daunting shameful experience if you do not have a hundred percent support around you like I know myself I even felt shame because I was having sex at like a young age and the people around me weren't doing it yet and I was just like had all this internalized shame and that was without anything else even playing a role in it so I can only imagine the impact like I, I, I feel sad. Like it always makes me feel sad. Cause I can just imagine like how horrible that would feel, and how yeah. much you would literally tear yourself apart just thinking about it all. How did you then go from, you know, having that experience and having the priest come to you? Did you then like decide to embrace more of your sexuality, push push religion to the side? Can like can you have both work? Like you know, can you have both? together like do you know what I mean trying to say yeah absolutely um and by the way I just wanted to say that when I think of my young self I also feel sad for myself like I mm -hmm. I look at pictures of myself when I was 16 and I just wish I could have hugged her and been like honey do your thing it's okay yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean the hell isn't a real yeah. thing yeah. anyways um yeah so essentially what happened was I graduated high school and I met this guy at the mall. He worked at Spencer's Gifts and I fell in love with him. I thought he was so cute and so amazing. And we started dating. And um, one day while we were making out, I was just like, I think I'm ready. And by this time I had already kind of stopped going to church. My mom, my relationship with my mom and I started becoming a little more rocky um, I just kind of started asking questions and like kind of doubting my faith. Right. And so, um, I was with him and I said, I'm ready. And he's like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah. So he like lit incense and candles and oh my like, God, that's we so were cute. like, it was so cute. Yeah. <laughs> like played goth music. Cause he was like yeah. kind of gothy <laughs> and, it. um, and we had sex and it was absolutely terrible because it was my first time. I didn't know what the mm -hmm. fuck I was doing. Um, but even though the sex was bad, the experience was really beautiful. And it literally felt like the clouds opened up, the angels started to sing, the sun started to shine through, there was like a rainbow. It was just like this moment where like all these doors in my brain just like flung open. And the biggest question I asked after that was, how the fuck is this wrong? 
how the hell is what I just did with my boyfriend wrong? We love each other. It was fun. He was sweet and tender and gentle. And I'm like, this is amazing. Like this rocks, you know? And I think it took me probably like five times having sex until I started being like, oh, I get it. This is actually kind of, okay, this is nice, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's really when I was just like questioning in my mind, like this is, this is ridiculous that people are telling me that this is bad, right? Yeah. And that's kind of when like the spark in my mind was just like, I got to get out of, I got to like really get away from the church. And um, I just started kind of being more open to my sexuality and it, changed my life it, it made me so much more happier to be a more embracing person but it was a journey it didn't just happen from one day to another it was several years before I was truly able to express myself without any shame yeah. or guilt or fear mm-hmm. yeah what do you think is like what do you think the reason is why like those in like some people within religion think that sex is something dirty like what aspect of it do you mm-hmm. think you know, causes that shame and like that, don't do it. Mm-hmm. Well, for sure, it's the rules of the church. Um, I can only speak for the Catholic church because that's, you know, I, I went to Catholic school, kinder through 12th grade. I was an altar server. I was a lecturer. I was part of Christian leadership. It's the only religion that I really know a lot about. But in particular in Catholicism, there's this idea that premarital sex is a mortal sin you don't know what a mortal sin is a mortal sin means that if you die with like a mortal sin on your record then like you're like for sure going to hell like there's some sins that are just like regular sins and then there's some sins that are mortal sins and so sex before marriage is considered under the catholic church a mortal sin and so i mean that sounds terrible right like yeah it does like literally Like if you die right now, you're for sure going to hell because you haven't confessed (laughs) the sin, this mortal sin that you had, right? Granted, Uh also not going to church on Sunday is considered a mortal sin in a Catholic faith. So if you go to hell being a Catholic under the Catholic church and you didn't go to church last Sunday, guess what? You're going to hell. Wow. It's it's ridiculous. It's full on. (laughs) Um, But I think that one of the biggest reasons, aside from that just being a basic rule under the church, is that... I say this all the time. Sex isn't just the act of sex. To be a sexually empowered person is a powerful place to be. Because once you've been able to master the art of expressing yourself sexually with freedom, with love, with carefree energy and tenderness and excitement, you become an unstoppable being. Because it's such a taboo and it's such a vulnerable part of our lives that yeah. the moment you're able to fully embrace it, you literally become very powerful and also very scary for the powers that be. And what does religion thrive off of? It thrives off of control. And yes. so that the more that they can control you, the more that you will be able, the more, the more that they will be in power and you will be someone who's just kind of following along. Does that make sense? Yeah, that 100% makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that really, yeah, it's such a, great way to like think about it and put it put it that way because that really does make sense and it's so true you can see a difference between someone who feels fully sexually empowered and someone who doesn't like they're just they radiate a different energy especially when it comes to talking about those things and those experiences so like yeah I can see that definitely so how because you experienced 
shame when it came to sex how did you overcome that like did you have any things that you were like yes that helped me become a more sexually liberated person like do you have any tips for those who may be going through that Yes. Um, I was actually reflecting on that the other day. So I was 18, I was in college and I started to become kind of a broken record. And I think I was a broken record for like four years where like, I would just talk to everybody about how I was feeling. I talked to professors, to therapists, to friends. I talked to, um, anybody that would hear me out. And I would just be like, and I would just kept asking, like, I just don't understand. Like, like, you know, this, this is so stupid. And like, I can't believe I feel this way. And like, you know, I, I don't want to feel this way. I don't want to be this like sexually shackled woman. Right. And so the biggest thing that helped me was just talking about it was just finding safe people that would support me to talk about it. And I say that I felt like a broken record because I couldn't stop talking about it in that time period because it was such a big part of my life that I just needed to process and understand what was happening within me. And having support, having a support system in my college, right, with like my, my professors, um, I've always been a huge advocate of therapy. So I was always in therapy, talking about it then, right? And also surrounding myself with like sexually empowered people. So around 19 is when my friend asked me if I wanted to be a part of a collective called Coochie Los Angeles, where they um, actually train you to be a sex educator. And so oh, wow. suddenly I had, yeah, so it was like 15 of us, yeah. I got accepted. And suddenly I was surrounded by these 15 sexually empowered sex educators. And I was like, oh my God, you know what I mean? It was <laughs> like, that's what really helped me too. So yeah. just the people I was surrounding myself with, because I do have clients that struggle with this and they live like in the middle of nowhere in the South of, you know, the U S or whatever. And they just say, I have no one around me. So if you are someone that has no one physically around you to speak with, the beauty of the internet is that you can literally connect with anybody online. So talk to people online, send messages, hire a coach, hire a therapist, someone who's going to help you um, break through the shame, the guilt, the fear, whatever it is that you're experiencing. Yeah, no, that's really good advice. And I think even though it might be hard to talk about at the start, once you do and the more you talk about it generally the more comfortable you will feel and also feel normal too because so many people you talk to will have experienced something similar or there's definitely going to be someone out there at least who has you know experienced something like that and sometimes just hearing like okay this isn't weird this is a normal thing you know I'm not I'm not the only one um can be yeah like a very empowering thing as well and help you like take that step forward how did your family respond to you taking up this sexual like education work and then sex coaching it's a great question um in the beginning I think they were like a little like what about it Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm just like what is this um but actually I think what helped was I taught I had a very serious conversation with my mom And I sat her down and I said, you know, you are one of my inspirations for wanting to do this work because there's a reason, there's a reason why my mom never spoke to me about sex. It's not because my mom is a terrible mother. It's because my mom has her own trauma. My mom has her own Mm. negative experiences with sexuality. 
Because the thing that people don't understand is that when parents choose to neglect a part of their parenting, it's not because they're bad people. It's because their life experiences get in the way of them being able to fully go there with their children. Mm. And so my mom is a survivor of sexual trauma, uh, sexual abuse as a child. And so I kind of look at her as someone who like, okay, you, you, you had these experiences and now you're an older woman who's still suffering from the psychological effects of this event that happened literally over 60 years ago, right? Yeah. And so to see that and to be raised with that inspires me more to be able to help others because it's a generational thing. If I can help one woman who is in her 20s overcome some part of her sexual shame, if and when that woman decides to be a mother, she is going to be able to go to a level of depth with her child that she wouldn't have able to had she not had gone on her own sexual empowerment journey. So for me, it's not just let me help women. It's let me help women so that they can be better mothers, so that they could be better better aunts, so that they can be better friends, right? Because the more people you help get to this place of full sexual liberation, it's like a domino effect. It just kind of spreads, right? So... I think that when I told my mom that she understood me more and now she like fully supports me. She's like so proud of me and my dad too. So, so proud of me. Um, But it did take them a while to get there. I think they just needed to like understand why I was doing what I was doing. (laughs) Yeah, of course. And I think whenever you just hear like, honestly, anything, you chuck sex in there and everyone's like, what? I know. (laughs) What? I know, I know. They freak out. Everyone freaks out. <laughs> yeah, they do. And That's then, like, yeah. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, the ones who don't freak out, like, especially I find some guys, they don't freak out. However, the next step is let's sexualize you because, like, yes. You're Girl, let me tell you, that <laughs> happens to me all the time. I've gotten to the point, honestly, where I don't even tell men what I do for a living mm-hmm. anymore. Yeah. Like if they ask me what I do, I say I'm an online coach. Oh, really? What do you do? I just I help people. Oh, and then they usually just shut up because yeah, they would. They yeah. literally would. <laughs> I know. It just it gets to the point where you know people get a little predatory. <laughs> like, literally. Yeah. For the men listening, please, we're normal people. Don't make assumptions about us and what we do. It's just we're just normal people. Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know for me it's like now I love it when I te- when I do tell a man what I do for a living and then he just kind of says that's cool and changes the subject I'm like oh my god you're amazing <laughs> yeah I know it always makes you like take a sip like oh like excuse me you're not you're not gonna you don't have something to say about this <laughs> like, yeah like this is nice this is refreshing <laughs> so you work with women and femmes trying to create like a more pleasurable sex life for them what are some like common issues that you find get in the way just so any of the shaggers out there listening might be like oh like that's something that I actually resonate with yeah that's a great question so it this is the funny thing about (laughs) when when you kind of you know you're following grows and you talk to more people is that every single person that reaches out to me thinks that they're the only one that has this particular issue. But in reality, there's like 300 others of you that are literally DMing me about the same exact thing. So (laughs) 
it just it's kind of funny when that when that happens because I'm like if only you knew that I had like literally 300 other DMs with the same exact question so a few of the common questions or a few of the common concerns that um, women bring to me are a lot to do actually with body image um, just like lack of self-confidence around your body, not being able to be naked in front of your partner, right? Just like feeling really like shy and scared to like show yourself and be vulnerable in that way. Um, another one, unfortunately, is uh, sexual trauma. Childhood sexual abuse is um, like PTSD from that is something that um, comes up a lot with the clients that want to work with me. Um, inability to orgasm, usually because... Um, a lot of women don't masturbate or don't take the time to really explore their bodies. So yeah, there's this definitely. like, there's this weight and this like expectation that your partner's supposed to make you orgasm. And then a lot of women think that they're broken because they've never had an orgasm. And I'm like, no, you just got to like touch yourself, like figure out what you like. And then, yes. you know, you get to the orgasm. So um, inability to orgasm is a really um, big one low libido that one is very very um, popular as well because there's so many things that can contribute to low libido and um, we live in a world where we don't really value rest as much and where yeah, we value people not. that are like hustlers and like this hustler mentality of like go 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 but the more you go the more challenging it becomes to have a fruitful sex life because literally by definition in order for you to enjoy sex you need to be in a relaxed state so a lot of the stress and other issues that come up um, also lead to low libido. So that's another one. Um, what else would I, would I, I think those are like the top ones off the top of my head that like come up a lot. Yeah. Mm. I'd love to talk about masturbation for a second because I think that's something that is a big issue, especially for women in like their early like 20s because that's obviously if you've gone through high school majority of women haven't masturbated they just can't even bring the thought of like touching themselves and then I find especially just with even the people I surround myself with the early 20s is that time where you kind of start exploring but for some it's a really daunting and really shameful experience for them do you have any advice for like how to begin that process and how to get comfortable with touching yourself? Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. So um, first things first, you want to see yourself. Okay. So yes, because if you don't know what you look like, then you don't know what you're touching. So the two things that I would recommend before you even start touching yourself, I mean, you can always just like use literally your sense of touch. But if you have a lot of anxiety or fear around it, the first one is understand your anatomy, know where your clitoris is, know where your vaginal opening is, where your lips are, where uh, your outer lips, your inner lips, your urethra, just understand the different parts of your vulva um, is going to help you know like where the nerve endings are the most prevalent and like what part you really enjoy stimulating, right? The second one is look at yourself, grab a mirror and literally open your legs and look at your vulva. All right. Take a yes, look at what you yes, look like. Yeah. Um, there is no universal look or aesthetic of a vulva. Vulvas are 1000% unique. They're actually the most diverse part of the human body. So um, if you are insecure about your vulva, please don't be because your vulva is special and unique just the way that it is. So once you have these two steps, it should warm you up to like finally like touching. Um, and I would just say, just kind of start slow, you know, make, set up the mood in a way that feels good for you. 
um, maybe some dim the lights, maybe wear something that makes you feel sexy and cute. Um, go under the sheets if that's what you feel like. Also, a lot of exploration can happen in the shower. You're already naked, right? So you can kind of start to play around with your fingers and see what feels really nice for you. And just pay attention to moments where you're like, ooh, that kind of felt good. Or moments where you're like, mm, I don't really feel anything. Or like, ah, oh, this doesn't really feel that great, right? And I would also say to give more attention to the clitoris than anything else, because that's that's your moneymaker. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That's yeah. what I found. Like, that's where, like, the magic happens. <laughs> yes, <laughs> like, that's where definitely. the magic happens. I know I actually really struggled with this because I feel like I have almost a lack of sensation. Like, I really, I need, like, a vibrator that's, like, on a super high setting for me to, like, feel anything. But then I also, because I've been, you know, doing this for a while now, I think I've come to this realization I think I just have never been fully properly aroused mm. and like I can notice a difference between especially my body like I, I've done enough like ex- exploration to know what I look like in a non-aroused state but then when I'm fully like completely aroused everything swells it's all different and everything feels different so whenever I had like sexual relationships if they touch my clitoris I'm like look, I don't feel anything. They went down and I'm like, I literally do not, you might as well just like be touching my arm. Like I feel nothing. <laughs> However, by exploring my own body, I've now like come to this realization. Like, no, I think I just need a long time to be properly aroused. Even though I might jump into sex and like, yeah, that feels good. But to actually take it to like that next level and be like super pleasurable. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I feel like I just need so much more time. And I imagine a lot of other women are probably similar in like that sense that they need um you know a a lot of time to get aroused like you can't just get like a guy you get a heart on in like 20 seconds and then you're good to go (laughs) yes I'm happy you brought this up foreplay is literally the most important part of any sexual you know activity right yeah definitely um it's think of foreplay as like you're gonna bake a cake and you need to preheat the oven before you bake it right so you need to like put it to 350 and then guess what you need to do? You need to wait until the oven is completely hot and then you put the cake inside. You can't put the cake in a cold oven and then turn it on, right? It's not gonna bake. Yeah. So sex is the same exact way. You gotta turn up the heat. You gotta do it for, you know, a, a period of time, hugging, kissing, licking, touching, massages, whatever feels good for you to warm up that body. Now, if you're masturbating, a couple of things that you can do to warm yourself up is like watching porn. There's some really great audio um, apps that I really enjoy for people that maybe don't like watching porn, but want to like hear something sexy. There's yeah. one that's called um, Furly that I really like. They're from the UK and they have like really like sexy erotic stories that you can listen to, yeah. or you can just kind of touch your body or, or like listen to sensual music, whatever makes you feel good. Um, But also the thing that I was going to um, also bring up in regards to what you said, there's two different types of arousal. There's spontaneous arousal and responsive arousal, right? Mm -hmm. And in spontaneous arousal, usually penis owners are the ones that experience this is just like dick is hard. Let's have sex, right? And occasionally vulva owners also feel this way too. Like suddenly you just get horny, like you're at the store and you just like randomly you're like, oh shit, like I'm so horny. Um, But typically vulva owners um, experience more responsive arousal, which is where you kind of need to like crank up the heat, you know, start slow and steady, all of that before you actually go and do the deed. (laughs) 
Yeah. And I think that's really important people understand that. Because there's so much, especially with, like, sex ed, it's, I mean, pleasure's not even talked about for starters in, like, in our sex ed here. And it's all centred around, like, penetration and, you know, an erection. So, obviously, if they think, okay, well, that's just the important things, you miss all the important steps for, you know, vulva owners. Like, they're such important steps to take yourself and understand what steps you need and one thing I actually love my mother for this she always said she's like Emily like you need to know how to pleasure yourself before like you let it like bring someone else in and she also like when it came to having sex um she had a rule she's like before you have sex you have to have an orgasm she's like you can't you cannot have sex for the first time until you have an orgasm that's <laughs> a great like... rule oh my god thanks mom <laughs> jesus that's I amazing know. i know and i was like oh my god mom like stop what are you talking about because <laughs> obviously i was literally like i would be like 15 i'm like oh no like um that's a really but, great rule oh it's an amazing rule and like i can i appreciate it now at the time i was like what but then it also opened my mind to it a lot more because like orgasms are just like it seems to be an accepted thing that women just cannot orgasm easily or that it's normal for them to not orgasm during sex and I like I hate that I hate that so much and I even though my mum gave me that advice it took six years before I had my first orgasm so it, and that was with like consistent sex throughout that six years and multiple different partners and it took till just one time where everything was just slowed down and so drawn out to the point I was almost just like oh my god this is ridiculous I cannot do this and then all of a sudden it just happened and I also found once I focused on just the feeling and not the goal that changed everything for me which I think is another really like important thing oh my god it's so incredibly important yeah I I'm a part of this um group here uh where I live and we're like a a group of polyamorous and and ethical non-monogamous people and with this group I've truly been able to understand the the difference between focus on pleasure versus focus on orgasm right because when you focus on pleasure, it's not even always sexual, right? Pleasure yeah. can, feel, can be just as simple as like biting into a strawberry or like caressing someone's chest or kissing someone softly, like this pleasurable indulgent feeling that doesn't have an end goal, but rather you're just able to be present in the moment is what sex is. I, in my opinion, all about, right. It's just like no, feeling the goodness of it. Yeah. yeah. And so I love that. Yeah. Just like focusing on the pleasure, not on the orgasm because there's so much pressure to orgasm. Right. So Which much. I get it. Orgasms are fucking awesome. I want everyone to have an orgasm, but yeah. when you're feeling pressure to orgasm, like that's not fun, you know? Yeah. And it's one of those things. As soon as I put that pressure on there, there's no hope like there's no hope that I'm gonna have one like it's literally your body needs to be relaxed yeah yeah definitely and it's almost like our brains are so good at like 
manipulate not manipulating us but like you know what I mean like I can sabotage it so easily like even if I'm about to have an orgasm all I have to do is be like think of something else and I'm like oh there it goes like it's not coming <laughs> like yeah, you gotta be and, like really concentrated gotta get, get a really yeah. good rhythm in oh. yeah and because I know <laughs> I can oh, I was just gonna say that because I know I can sabotage it there's always that I don't know it's just like with like anxiety and things that 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 tendency like oh my god it's about to happen oh I know I can sabotage this and then like my brain instantly goes to like that even though it's completely not what I want mm-hmm. but like even the fact that you're able to like as you're talking all I can think of is oh my god like you have so much knowledge of yourself right? The fact that you know, I know what rhythm I need to do. I know where my head needs to be. I know what feels good. I know how to get there. That, like you said, took six years, six yeah, years did. getting it to did. know your body. Yeah. And so like for folks that are listening, like it takes time to get to know your body. Like, please be patient with yourself. It takes time. It takes practice. It takes just so much patience because I can't tell you how many people approach me and they say, I've had sex two weeks ago and I can't have an orgasm. What's wrong with me? And I'm like, honey, it's only been two weeks. You know what I mean? Or like, do you masturbate? No. Okay, great. There goes the problem, right? It's like, you're not touching yourself and you're relying on your partner to give you an orgasm. How are you going to get an orgasm if you don't know your own body? You know? Yeah, exactly. But yeah, one thing I wanted to talk about with you that I've seen you talk about is radical honesty, which is something that I think is super important. And I know I, like myself, I still like, I struggle with this so much. And there's a lot of my past things I look back on and I'm like, I wish I had done that different. All could have changed if I just practiced this. So you have to explain like what radical honesty is just in case any of the shaggers listening, like don't know. Mm-hmm. Ooh, ooh, I'm happy you brought this up. Yeah. So um, why do I talk about radical honesty is because I used to be a liar, a cheater and a manipulator um, in every single relationship that I was in. And it took a really low rock bottom to make me realize that the reason why I was lying was because I was so afraid of my truth. And oftentimes when it comes to sex, we become afraid of our truths because we think that our truths are going to hurt and push somebody away. And sometimes our truths do hurt and push people away. However, in my experience and the experience of my clients and the people that I've worked with, I've come to realize that It is always better to be honest and hurt somebody than to lie to spare their feelings. Um, There's this book that I read called The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. And in that book, he talks about integrity. And this was one of the first moments where I was like, oh, my God, this is why radical honesty is so essential in sexual relationships. Integrity, usually we think of integrity as a moral issue, right? Like in society, a person with integrity is honest and they're loyal and all of these things. But if you look at the definition of integrity from a physics standpoint, the definition of integrity in physics means to be whole and to be complete. And when something gets disrupted in integrity, there's an energy block and it doesn't allow for energy to move through in this whole incompleteness. So for example, if I ask you like, Emily, how are you doing? 
and you say, I'm fine, <laughs> you know? And I look at you and I'm like, girl, you are not fine. Like <laughs> you just fine. sounded like, yeah, like you just sounded from like Eeyore from like Winnie the Pooh, like you're not fine. Yeah. And, um, and I say, no, really what's wrong? And you say, I'm, I'm fine, I'm fine, you know? What you have done there is because you are out of your integrity because you're actually not okay, you have created an energy block between the two of the, the two of us. So now I can't break through this energy block. There's no energy that's flowing between us. The moment we lie, we manipulate, we omit information. We're creating energy blocks with the people around us that don't allow us to fully connect with those that we love the most or those that we want to connect with the most. So radical honesty is all about maintaining integrity so that you can continue to experience energy flow between you and the person you're engaging with sexually. It's a back and forth, it's a constant. And it's also having the courage to stand by your truth, no matter what the consequences. And that shit is fucking hard, but it is so worth it. And I promise that it gives you a better life when you're able to stand in that radical honesty and integrity. Yeah, I love that so much. That's such a great way to put it with like the energy flowing between two people because like I'm sure anyone listening out there is the same. As soon as there's something on your mind and it plays on your mind and then you decide not to, oh no, I won't talk about it because like the conflict or losing them is going to be worse. But then it literally puts up, it does, it puts up a block. Even if that person doesn't realise it at the time, especially like the other person you're engaging with, you put up that block. And then that's when more issues will come out. And honestly, I feel like even at the time, if say if you do lose them, it hurts, but you will most likely look back on that in the future and be like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm glad I moved on from that. Like, I'm glad that I spoke my truth because you're always going to have yourself. So if you can be honest and true to yourself, that's the most important thing. And, like, there's so many people out there. There's going to be so many more connections that you'll make. Like, there's so much more than just what that relationship might be giving you, like, at that time. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that you're saying this because we are so afraid of abandonment in our world. We're taught so afraid. So afraid. We're so scared of being alone. And, you know, when some people talk to me and they say, I, you know, I, I told my boyfriend a million times what I like and he just doesn't do it. I don't know what to do. And in my mind, I'm like, the answer is pretty damn clear. Fucking break up with him because he obviously doesn't care about your needs. <laughs> yeah. But I can't say that, you know, so I just say it's time for you to reconsider the relationship. And I know that it causes a lot of fear and anxiety for people. And it's important. You know, this is another reason when I, why I say this to my clients, when I talk to my clients, I say, I don't care if you've been married for 30 years, if you've been, or if you're just casually having sex with somebody at the end of the day, your sexual empowerment journey belongs to you and you only you. It's important for you to get right with you as a sexual being, because once you're right with you, you can have sex with whoever you desire to have sex with and feel good about it. Because once you're right with you, that means that you have clear understanding of your boundaries, of what you like, what makes you go crazy, what makes you feel so amazing, right? The things that you don't want to happen. And once you're right with you, and once you practice radical honesty, you can navigate the sex world and the relationship world and the love world in such a more empowering way, because then you're able to not settle for less, 
you know exactly what you desire and you're going to go after it with all of your being. Right. Mm. So, um, so yeah, radical honesty is essential, vital, required in order to have a great sex life and a great life yeah. in general. Yeah, definitely. A hundred percent is when I saw that, I was like, Oh my God, that is something I have not practiced in the past. And I, it's like almost like points in my life that stand out where I haven't done it and it's so obvious and I it's the one thing I regret I always regret not speaking like not speaking up about something for those who are like yep I want to take this on board and start practicing it however they're maybe the people that they're being more honest with don't know how to respond to it should we like take time and break it down with them or like how do we help people understand this because obviously it can be daunting doing it yourself but then for someone else if you've never heard your partner be really completely honest with you it can be quite a shock do you have yeah, like any you're like advice breaking on that? the social norm yeah absolutely yeah. um the first thing I'm going to say is that the only thing that all of us in this world all eight billion people or however many people there are in this world can control is ourselves yeah. and sometimes we can't even control that it's the only thing. The only thing you can control is what you do, what you think, and what you say. Period. 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 You cannot control how your partner is going to respond, how they're going to act, how they're going to feel. So it's important that you know that as you're practicing radical honesty, that you cannot control your partner's reaction. If they're going to have a bad reaction, it's important that you let them have that bad reaction. If they're going to have a good yeah. reaction, let them have that good reaction. Whatever it may be. You cannot control how they take it. But a couple of tips to help you navigate that so that it can be as healthy as possible um, is number one, you never want to practice radical honesty when you're in a state of anger or when you're in the middle of a fight. Because usually the only times that a lot of people talk about sex is when they're angry and they're like, well, you don't even fucking do this and like blah, 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 you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. don't practice radical honesty then <laughs> because yeah. you're not um, creating a space that's conducive to um, being receptive with the information that's being given, right? Yeah. So you wanna make sure that you're in a good mood, either on a date night, while you're having dinner, while you're cuddling in bed, maybe right after sex is also a great place because you're both naked, you're both vulnerable, you just had a beautiful connection experience, right? So these are the moments where you wanna bring up those conversations. The second thing is to use I statements. You never wanna point the finger or say, you never do this or you never do that or I hate that you do this and that, no, 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 no. You want to use I statements and you want to make sure that you're coming from a place of tender love and care and talking about your feelings, right? So mm -hmm. instead of saying you blah, 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 you can say, I've been thinking about our sex life and I feel that when this, when X, Y, and Z happens, it makes me feel X, Y, and Z way. And I would really appreciate it if you could please do X, Y, and Z, right? or I would love a little bit more of this, or I would appreciate um, if you could do a little bit more of that, right? Yeah. And then let them know how it makes you feel because when we love people, we respond more to their feelings because guess what? People that love you don't wanna hurt you. So yeah. if you tell them, I feel hurt when you do X, Y, and Z, or I, personally don't enjoy this thing that we do during sex can we do something differently 
they're, they're going to look at you with compassion because they're going to say, oh my God, like, I love you. And like, I want, I want to make sure you're having a good sex life. Thank you so much for telling me this. Right. At least yeah. we would hope that that would, yeah. <laughs> that yeah. would be yeah. the response. And even if, like I said, like, if you're listening and you're just like casually hooking up, like, even then the conversation is important, right? Like, yeah, yo, definitely. like, I really dig this. I don't dig that. Like, I, you know, let's, this is how I feel about X, Y, and Z. And then um, the last thing that I um, would recommend, and I think I already said this, but I'm going to put it as number three, is allow for the other person to have their reaction. Mm -hmm. Allow for them to have their reaction. If they get angry, if they get upset, if they get hurt, if they get sad, that is not your problem. That is their reaction to what you're telling them. And you did not cause that. You have just spoken your truth, right? And take that reaction and use that as information to inform you on how you would like to move forward in the relationship. Because let's say that reaction is, becomes incredibly um, violent or detrimental. Ask yourself, do I want to be with someone who's going to react this way when I have vulnerable conversations with them, right? And if they're yes. going to have a sad reaction or reaction that is hurtful for you, give them the space to do that and then come back later and make sure to pick up the pieces and have an open and honest conversation about that if they're receptive to it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I love that. I think that's really important. And like by then, you know, practicing your communication and maybe if they never, like you start to realize, hang on, like they really don't respond well to me whenever I speak, you know, honestly, yeah, then maybe that is the time to look, hang on, is this the relationship that I want? Do I want to like, you know, live my life with someone who doesn't know how to respond to, to what I have to say? Or if they do, they respond in a really negative way. And I also think like going into it without an expectation, I think that like so many of us, like I know myself, I always get so much more disappointed if I go in with an expectation because nine times out of ten I have the whole like if I'm like terrified to say something to someone I plan out their response because that you know almost gives me comfort to like you know to take that leap and to do it and nine times out of ten they respond in a way I could not have either predicted or didn't expect and the shock to that sometimes is almost a lot to deal with because like you know you plan on your head so I guess like you know don't go in with that expectation and be aware that you can't they can respond in any way because we are so unpredictable at times like we're so predictable but also so like unpredictable when like you almost need us to be predictable to help, <laughs> to help like with your you know speaking up about things you can't control how your partner reacts you can't control yeah. anything that they do like if, you know it's so interesting when I get messages where people say what do I do my boyfriend doesn't want to have sex with me you can't do anything you can't force your boyfriend to have sex with you you, you got to ask yourself do you want to be with someone who doesn't want to have sex with you you know you can't control what the other person does you can only control what you do yeah definitely and I suppose too then that's really important to know what you really want because if you don't then that'll just be messy and like you'll just be so confused and yeah I can imagine that would be it can be a lot do you have any advice maybe on how people can understand what they actually want yeah, um, that's a good one. What do you actually want? Um, put it this way. You go to a restaurant and you order food. 
how do you know what you like at a, at a restaurant? Yeah, I suppose you you got to try things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got to try things. You got to try right? things, or you just stay in your comfort zone. I know here we eat like um, I don't know if you've heard of a parma before, parmigiana. I can never say the full. They're like it's a classic pub feed here. Every time you go to the pub, what am I gonna have? Parma. I can't step outside of my comfort zone. <laughs> yeah, it it like you gotta you gotta make sure that you try things and then you'll know what you like, right? Like yeah. that's essentially mm-hmm. what it is. That's exactly how sex is. Try yeah. a vibrator. Try your fingers. Try penetration. Try rubbing. Try licking. Try squeezing. Touching. Biting. Um, try porn, try erotic novels, try, um, I, I don't know, being naked around your house, like whatever. It's literally trial and error. That's what it is. Just like how you know what your favorite meal is at a restaurant. It's exactly how you know what you like in bed. Yeah, definitely. That's, that's so true. That's such a, it sounds like it's such a simple way to put it. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it's literally, and it, I suppose it is, even though it can be daunting, it really is as simple as like just trying things and taking it the slow too. Is, the thing is no one gives you the permission to do it. Like if I go to a restaurant, I'm everyone in the table is going to give me the permission to, they're all going to say, Jocelyn, try something new. You might like it. Why? Cause food is normalized. Food is normalized in our life. Sometimes all we really need is the permission. Sometimes all we really need is someone to be like, try different things in bed and see what you like in order for people to feel like it's okay for them to do it. Yes. So for everyone listening, I'm giving you permission right now <laughs> to try different things so you can get to know yourself so that you know what you like, you know what you don't like, and so that you can feel fucking amazing in your sex life. Yeah, I love that. I love that so much because that's such a, like, such a true point. Like so many times it's to once we've been given permission. So yes, everyone you have permission. I love that so much. Yeah, that's you awesome. Have yeah. <laughs> you have received your permission slip officially to masturbate. Do it. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on. It's been absolutely amazing chatting with you and talking about everything that we have today. Yes, I love this so much. I had such a blast. Thank you so much for having me. As always, Shaggers, please reach out with any comments, questions, or stories to my Instagram, That's Orgasmic, or my email, which I finally updated, which is now emilyduncan at thatsorgasmic.com. Please subscribe on whatever platform you use to listen to these podcasts and also leave a review as I would love to know what you're thinking. So thank you, Shaggers, and I will see you next week.